Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How is everybody this morning? You doing well? You're looking good, you're sounding good. What a great, great day. One other just quick note. This is a special day for us because Miles is also Chris and I's nephew. So if you didn't know or make that connection, we didn't realize that Miles was going to be hired and installed on the Sunday I was here. But how many of you think God might have known that? And so what a little extra blessing. Amy and Chris are sisters. And so it was just, a. It, I was in tears on the front row. What a special day. What a special time. Now, I, I, I'm going to move quickly today because I want to honor everyone's time. But I asked Pastor Ian, which please know all the formalities. I love this house. I love all the elders of this house, all the pastors of this house, all the people in this house. I love Pastor Ian and Selena and everyone. So, so know that. I could take 10 minutes just saying how much I love this place. But I, I, I want to get right to what I believe is a prophetic word for this moment for this house. I was so excited about slotting into the practicing the presence of God because contemplative practices have been something in the last three years that have radically changed Chris and I's life. I can't tell you enough how much instituting Sabbath and, and, and all kind of contemplative practices have changed us. We're trying to become contemplative charismatics, whatever that means. I don't know what that looks like, but we're trying. However, every time I went to go study to finish up this series, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me do it. So I called Pastor Ian actually twice. And finally I said, look, I really am a man under authority and I'll stand up and do whatever you tell me to do. But the Holy Spirit is giving me nothing. He keeps taking me back to something, but it doesn't make sense for two reasons. One is, it's not in your, in your series, it's not, it's not a part of, of this practicing the presence of God. But the second thing is, it's a message I stole from Grubby about 15 years ago. <laughs> and I said, there's going to be somebody come up to me and say, I remember Grubby preached that. <laughs> like 12 years ago. However, I'm going to preach it better. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I couldn't resist that. He would have done it. He would have done it to me. It's the only reason I did it. So can you just open your hearts, your minds? We're going to pray. And will you allow me just to quickly give the assignment God's put in my heart today? Holy Spirit, you've been with us from the first note that was played. Actually, you were in here before that. You came in here with all of us. This building is a thin space. And I thank you, Lord, that in that thin space, heaven and earth are colliding right now. I thank you that before we put this on our calendar, you had this on your calendar. Before we had it on our agenda, you had it on your agenda. So Holy Spirit, would you come Speak to us all, whether we're 
online or on campus, whether we're watching live or later, don't let us leave this moment without being changed. And if you agree, say yes. In his hugely successful 2011 blue-collar comedy tour, which if you know what I'm talking about, that, identi- that dates you and it tells what part of Pennsylvania you're from. <laughs> Bill Engvall, in that tour, made a living traveling around the country declaring, here's your sign. Somebody say, here's your sign. He, now, in his instance, he was handing out I'm stupid signs. And anytime people would do something, shall we say, less than intelligent, which you don't have to travel far to find that, he would say, here's your sign. I am not in any way insulting anyone's intelligence or suggesting that anyone in this room has ever or will ever do anything stupid. That has nothing to do with my message. However, that phrase captivates me. Here's your sign. It makes me ask the question, are there signs of the time? Are there signs of the time? Not in time signs, that's different. I don't have time to unpack the difference. But when I say signs of the times, don't think eschatology. Don't think in time signs. Think about indicators that a new season is here. I believe that there are signs for all of us. And one of the greatest signs is the text I'm going to use today in John chapter 2. I think that signs and wonders are two of the major ways in the New Testament that God speaks to us. Signs and wonders are how the miraculous is talked about. As a matter of fact, John was what we would call, my wife and I are getting our our doctorate in semiotics. Semiotics is the study of signs. In the Greek, the word is semion. John was a semiotician because anytime John spoke about the miraculous, he never used power words. He used the word semion. He said that it was a sign. So really, Every time John talked about a miracle, he's saying, here's your sign. Turn to your neighbor and say, here's your sign. See, in Scripture, a miracle is supposed to do something more than be a miracle. It's supposed to transform us in some way. It's supposed to be a sign that points to something greater. In case you've been missing them, here's one of Grubby's handy-dandy definitions. A miracle is an act that signs the character of God and the nature of its kingdom while creating wonder in the human soul. Miracles don't merely transcend physical law. They have a deeper meaning. They accomplish something. They point us to something. So as we look at Jesus' first miracle, which what was it? It was turning of water into wine we can see that there was something about this that was a semiotic. There's something about this miracle that was more than just the miracle. Most of you've read this text, but but I'm I'm going to slow down for a second and then I'm going to speed up at the end really quickly, okay? So get ready for this ride that we're going on. 
If you have your Bibles, you can turn in or turn on, depending on what kind of Bible you brought today, digital or paper, to John chapter 2. I'm going to be reading out of the New American Standard, starting in verse 1. I'm going to give a little commentary as I go, and then I'm going to give us three or four signs, semiotics, that come out of this miracle that can help us today, and I believe they're prophetic to this house. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Now, most of the time, when you read a text, if you're, it, most of us, we just read through quickly. You know this story, you know where it's going, so you want to get to the good stuff. You want to get to where the water turns into wine, but, but really, if we're going to read Scripture semiotically, we need to slow down for just a moment, and we need to put context to the things that are there. So the third day indicates that it's immediately following the choosing of Jesus' disciples, the sixth day of the first week of Jesus' ministry, if you will. The first thing we learn is that Mary's there and that Mary might, the way this text reads, there's an indicator that she was integral in Jesus and his, and certainly at least his disciples' invitation. Can you imagine Jesus gets a plus one, and he says, Mom, can I have a plus 12? (laughs) There's a problem there. Verse 3, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. The, The ASV says, and when the wine failed. I love that phrase. How many, at some point, the wine will fail? What do you do when your wine fails? It's not go to whiskey. That's not the answer. The wine failed. We'll come back to that in a moment. Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. Some translations say, what does this have to do with me? But us is a better translation. Why? Because it's telling, it's, it's indicating that Jesus is saying, mother, we guests have nothing to do with this. Why are you looking at us? We just came on your coattails. Even if this is a family wedding, which it could be, there are indicators that that that's why Mary was so involved. Some historians and theologians would believe that. But either way, he's saying, hold on, Mom, stop talking. Verse 5. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you to do, do it. Don't you love how only a mother can do that to the Messiah? (laughs) Mother, it's not my time. Mother, what are you doing? Mother, what does this have to do with me? And she says, do whatever he tells you to do. Are there any mothers of adult males in the room? Are there any sons, adult sons of in the Listen, your mother's going to treat you like this till you're 33 at least. <laughs> Jesus' mother did. Mary, absolutely undaunted by Jesus' resistance. Verse 6. Now there were six stone water pots there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Again, you think, what does this matter? It matters a lot. These are not small jars. They're huge. 
That they'll hold 150 to 200 gallons of water collectively. They're for purification, which tells us it was probably a religious leader's home. Also, because it was near a water source, because Jesus tells them to fill it up, they didn't take days to run the miles to get it and come back. There's all kinds of indication that that this person was wealthy, they were religious, and they, 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 this was a prestigious wedding. Jesus and his disciples have walked somewhere between 8 and 15 miles to get there. There are also hundreds of people here. And remember, communities weren't that large, so everybody's at this wedding. It's a big deal. Verse 7, Jesus says to them, fill the water parts with water. So they filled them to the brim. We know they're not full because they'd already been used for the ritual of the washing of hands so that everyone could be purified. And again, it gives an estimation of how big this wedding was. Verse 8, And he said to them, Draw out some now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water which had had become wine, And did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now or last. Verse 11. This beginning of his... Come on, everybody say it. Signs. Simeon. Semiotic. Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed him. Now, there's no indication that all of the guests or even the bridal party understood the creative miracle that took place, but Jesus' followers did that he had just chosen, and just a handful of people probably did. Now, then, you say, Dwayne, Where are you going to go with this? Very quickly, I'm going to give you a few signs. If you're taking notes, this will be really fast. But here's some signs that we can learn, some things that this is pointing us towards. What is this miracle saying to us? This isn't all that it's saying, but these are some indicators of what Jesus is trying to tell us, what the Scripture, what the Father is trying to tell us through this miracle. Number one, it's God's character and nature to cover our failure. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to wave my hanky and run around here like a Pentecostal. (laughs) Maybe none of you have ever failed, but this is some good news for Dwayne. The wine has failed. Because the wine has failed, the wedding's in jeopardy of failing. If the wedding fails, the families lose space before one another, before the village community. It could influence the marriage to fail. Why did the wine fail? We don't know. Probably because of the best efforts and budgets of the groom's family, the planning of this event has failed. And if it is Mary's extended family, like some people believe, this failure's personal. It's going to ruin her family. Nonetheless, failure has come on all levels. It's big failure in first century Middle Eastern Jewish terms. Inadequate hospitality is a source of shame. It has social implications. It has legal implications. This could start the Hatfields and the McCoys Jewish version. 
bad things are about to happen. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, smells this catastrophe in the works. And she's carrying the heart of the Father for the situation. And she called on Jesus to manifest the kingdom to save this family, this wedding, and these people. Failures in the air, and Mary stepped in. So the first thing we can learn is that when we smell failure in our communities, when we smell failure in our homes, when we smell failure around the corner, God has called us to step in and have the heart of the Father because He wants to help in the middle of our failure. Nobody was pointing fingers. God was just covering failure. Second thing we learn is when you understand who Jesus really is, you can melt time. Mary's faith in Jesus' character and Jesus' kingdom capacity melts time. Joseph, the the father of Jesus, is passed on. So Mary's the only one that understands who Jesus really is other than himself. She knows he's God. She knows he's Messiah. She knows the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. She knows she gave birth to him as a virgin. Nobody else really knows that. Jesus said, it's not my time. And Mary says, do whatever he tells you to do. And at that moment, a kingdom alarm clock goes off. I've come to be your kingdom alarm clock in C4. It is time for a miracle. Did you hear what I just said? So how do you know? Because I understand that timing is malleable in the kingdom of God. It's like Salvador Dali's clock. Some of you have probably seen Salvador Dali's, his many paintings of clocks. It melts Time, and that's exactly what happened. Time stands still. Her faith was split the matrix and changed time. See, sometimes you don't ask, is it time for a sign? Sometimes you declare it's time for a sign. You say, what do you mean? Well, let me ask you this question. Is the miracle or the sign a sign of the times or is there a time for the sign? The answer is yes. Yes to both. After the sign comes, it points to the character of God, right? But for the sign to come, there must be a Mary to discern prophetically the situation and the moment and declare it's time for a sign, and it's circular. So so here's the thing. I've come to declare it's time for a sign, You need to start looking for signs of the times. And those signs are going to be indicators for a new season in this house. This house is about to enter a season of miracles in the name of Jesus. There are going to be signs and wonders. But hear me, NC4, the miracles are not for the miraculous sake. It's an indicator that a new season is in this house. So the season of miracles are a sign of a new season. You say, Dwayne, I still don't get it. Well, let me switch metaphors. My, yeah, our youngest daughter just had our third grandchild. <laughs> Grandchildren are the best. 
She's two months old. The, not our daughter, the granddaughter. <laughs> so when a woman's pregnant, everybody asks her, when is the due date? When's the due, baby due? And you pick a date that, that is educated, that the doctors have told you, you tell them a date. So she had a due date. I mean, when you get close to that due date, people start saying crazy things. And they start telling you, drink castor oil. Go on long walks. They tell you other things that the husband is more excited about than the casserole. But anyway, <laughs> everyone's desperate. You're trying anything, especially if you go past the due date. You're frustrated. And then people really say crazy things like, honey, let me tell you something. That baby's going to come out whenever it's getting ready. It's not going to come out before. She's going to come out whenever she's good. That baby don't have nothing to do with that. That baby's not sitting up in the womb going, I think I'm going to wait another week. I like it up in here. No, the due date is an estimation within a window of time. Once the baby can live outside the womb, my God, I hope somebody gets this today. There is a season where, where when the conditions are right, that baby can come out. It's the difference in chronos and kairos. Chronos is a physical moment. My chronos is really gone. I got to hurry. But, there, but there's a kairos that can be birthed in the next five minutes that could change everybody in this li room's life. Everybody watching online, it could change everything. So when does the baby come? Watch this. The baby doesn't come when the baby's ready. The baby doesn't come when the father's ready. The baby comes when the body of the bride is ready. So the miracle... I'm prophesying, my God, I'm prophesying. The miracles that are going to be released in this house is not going to be when the worship team strikes the right chord. It's not going to be when Pastor Ian preaches his best sermon. The season of miracles, the signs and wonders God wants to release in this house will be when the bride, when the body is ready to push. Come on, somebody. There is going to be a birthing of miracles manifesting when the body's ready. See, to God, time is not about a chronological moment, but it's the moment you're prepared. Worship team, you can come. So I want to ask you, NC4, are you ready for a sign? Are you ready for a miracle? Are there any Marys in here who will use their faith to melt time? See, because time is a commodity and it can be purchased. How do you buy time? How do you buy time? 
dollars, Japanese yen, British pounds, euros, South African rand, no. You don't buy time. The currency time is traded in is not monetary. It's obedience. So what do you mean? Thayer says this. We, we all know the scripture in Ephesians 5, 4 through 16. Wake you who sleep. Some people ask me, why do I yell all the time? I'm your kingdom alarm clock. I'm that. Trying to wake you up. Awake and see four if you're asleep. This is your wake up call. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The word redeem is exegorezo. It means to buy up for your own use or purpose. So how do you buy time? Thayer says of this word exegorezo that you buy time with your zeal and your well-doing. Dwayne's Texan translation of that is you buy it with your passionate obedience. What did Mary say? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Jesus is going to tell NC4 to do some things in the next 90 days. In the next few months... I'm prophesying that God is going to tell you things to do that are going to set the course for the next five years. All you have to do is get prepared and listen for the alarm clock and then don't hit the snooze button. See, a lot of people spiritually are hitting their snooze button. 15 more minutes. Give me five more minutes. But do you know that some of you are called to serve in this house? And servants see miracles nobody else sees. Do you notice that? Can you imagine the servants going, Mary, I don't know, my cousin Mary, she told me, get the name, we got to get the water. I, we just emptied these out. We just filled it up. They were empty. We filled them up. It's water. I know it's water. Nobody wants water. Everybody wants wine. It's all Mary's fault. There's some people that believe the reason that it was a problem. The whole reason the wine failed is because Jesus brought his disciples and they drank it all. (laughs) There are theologians that they believe that. (laughs) Maybe it's true. Maybe that's why Mary was freaking out. It's your plus 12, son. You did this. Stop it. Fix it. But the servants are carrying the water. And and can you imagine if they just said, no, I'm not going to do it. No, that's dumb. It's water. Nobody wants water. Everybody wants wine. But as they poured it out, it becomes wine. Servants get, do you know when you serve in children's ministry, you get to see miracles in kids' lives that nobody else sees. When you serve helping park cars or, or usher at the door, what, there, there are all kinds of things that we do to serve that we see miracles nobody else gets to see. And I believe that I'm prophesying some people have been hitting snooze buttons and Jesus says, don't hit the snooze button. Get up and buy the moment.
asking you to stand where you are. It's time for a sign. It's time for a supernatural, miraculous sign to be released. There's a series of miracles. Your miracle is not so much on Tuesday at 11.42 a.m. But your miracle is the moment you're prepared. So can you just lift your hands up and say, God, I'm ready for the sign. Father, I'm asking you right now to release a series of miracles that are signs and wonders. You see every heart, you see every hand, you see every person on campus and online. And God, I believe that you want to release something supernatural in this house. One last thing and I'm done. Something happens when I shift from asking God for a sign and asking God to make me be the sign. There are people all over this valley, all over this region, that are saying, God, I need a sign. I need a sign not to divorce my spouse. I need a sign not to take my life. I need a sign not to give up and quit. I need a sign that you're going to do something in my family. I need a sign that you're going to help me. And then you show up. See, I'm I'm at a place where I'm not just asking God for signs. That's great. It's wonderful. But I'm asking God, would you make me a sign? Let me be a sign and a wonder. People that are destitute, that are dying, that are hurting, that are marginalized, that are on the fringes of society. God, would you send me in their life and let me be the sign and the wonder. Boy, I just see that all over this valley. I see people showing up to work and somebody had just prayed, God, give me a sign and you show up. On your street, somebody's praying for a sign and you knock on their door. You, you see them walking down the sidewalk and smile at them. Father, let us be a sign and a wonder everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. NC4, here's your sign. Chris and I love you. There's nothing you can do about it. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word JESUS to 610-816-6062.